If you're going to break down the strongholds in your life, one of the things that you're going to have to do is recognize that you have strongholds in your life. And we carry that cut and that scar deep within. And God said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to heal the inflicted scars that others have put on you. And we can say all day long, I believe it because it's written in the Word, but that's where it's going to stay is in the Word until you can believe it because it's who you are. In the last sermon, Pastor Eddie Mason talked about spiritual warfare and the pulling down of strongholds from the perspective of others. In today's sermon, he continues the theme of spiritual warfare, but this time from the perspective of us. I want you to understand that spiritual warfare is resisting. Turn to your neighbor and say resisting. resisting. Can I tell you how many times we just give up and give in? We just quit. Things get a little bit hard and we just start withdrawing and we start quitting. And God says, if you're going to win the battle, if you're going to break down the strongholds, you've got to resist. Now, let me just tell you, I've had several people that brought me food for the, for the last, uh, not brought it to me, brought to Sue food. <laughs> I think it was for me. But anyway, they brought Sioux food and I had to eat. And so, you know, the first night I'm, I'm trying to be real good. And so I don't eat anything but exactly what's on my diet. The second night, the lady next door brings a, a banana split pudding thing about this high. And she asked me what it tastes like. And so, you know, I had to taste it to find out what it tastes like. And and so, so then I'm doing pretty good with that. And, and then Joni comes over and she said, if you tasted theirs, then you got to eat my, my chicken and dumplings. And so I tried her chicken and dumplings. I just caved. Okay. I mean, they just brought the right stuff. Don't look at me like y'all so holy. I'm telling you, they bring the right stuff to you. You cave just as quick as I do. I didn't do bad. Amen. Today. I'm starting over today. Anyway, that's what we do sometimes. Though, is we don't resist those things. We don't. As a matter of fact, we, we've been studying in Hebrews and it says you've not yet resisted unto blood. And I thought, wow, unto blood. You know, and I immediately went, my mind goes to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was sweating as it was great drops of blood. It says because of the stress of the situation. And the stress wasn't so much the crucifixion as it was going to be taking the weight of all sin on his personal being. A man that knew no sin fixing to take the weight of all sin upon himself. And so he was, he was in that position and, and, and it, man, the stress of that just began to sweat, began to be like that. And they say that your pores will open up and literally blood will flow out when you get under enough stress. That's what I've read. But I began to study a little bit further and it says, you've not yet resisted unto death. And what was, the test, what was the scripture last week, the testimony that we talked about so much? It said, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their own lives even unto death. And so this resistance becomes a, a, a life and death struggle for us as we begin to resist what the enemy is doing. And so I, I just I want you to understand this is no simple resistance. If you resist the devil like I resisted sweets, you will fail every time. Let me, tell you, let me tell you the life and death struggle, and I'm not putting my sister-in-law down. I'm going to tell you the truth. My sister-in-law struggled with diabetes, and she told me she was going to eat what she wanted to when she wanted to. 
The last year of her life was spent in a nursing home. The diabetes had ravaged her body. Her legs were swollen and it was weeping because of the, because of the diabetes. She couldn't walk and she died because she, res- she, she would not resist what needed to be resisted. Now I'm talking about this is literal, physical life and death. Again, I'm not putting her down. I loved her to pieces, but she was hard-headed. But when we start talking about the strongholds in our lives, they are life and death situations. And sometimes we just look at them like they're little random things that everybody has to deal with. And the Lord's saying we don't need to deal with those things. We need to come into a place where we're, we are overcoming. And it starts by resisting. And once we resist, until you resist, do I need to change this out? All right, let me, let me just, just flip this one off and let me get the other mic. Amen. Okay, so we've got to resist. The second thing you got to do is in order to overcome, the first thing you do is resist. He said, resist the devil and he'll flee. But the first thing he says before that is submit yourselves. And so there t- requires this submission to overcoming. If you're going to break down the strongholds in your life, one of the things that you're going to have to do is recognize that you have strongholds in your life. Daddy and I picked up a guy one day. Um, my daddy would pick up strays. And he picked up this guy. He was a blind guy, and he had a family, and uh, had was supporting four or five kids. I don't think they were his, but he was supporting them. And what he'd do is he'd go to the farmer's market, We'd get him a 50 or 100, or daddy would get him 50 or 100 pounds of peanuts. He'd come back and he'd roast those peanuts and then he'd sell them and he'd raise money that way to take care of his family. And so one day we picked him up and he had a friend with him named Johnny. And when Johnny got in the car, you could smell alcohol. He got in, I mean, just, it just reeked from alcohol. And daddy looked at him after they'd been, or was talking to him after he'd been in the car for a little while. He said, Johnny? You have any problem drinking alcohol? John said, no, sir, I don't have no problem drinking alcohol at all. I can drink all I want. Some of us are like that, aren't we? We think we can play with the things of the, of the devil and get away with it, and it's not going to harm us in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So the first thing you've got to do is you've got to submit yourself to God, and that's when you recognize there is a stronghold. Then you've got to resist in the strength that you have Turn to your neighbor and sit in your strength, which is, which is a place of, of, of not, very, not very strong. And then you go to the overcoming. Why do we go to overcoming from resistance? Because when we flip from resistance to overcoming, we flip from our strength to Christ's strength. Okay, because he overcame. We are overcomers because he overcame. And that that's born of God overcomes the world. Am I making sense to you? Okay, and so the first step is to resist. Second step is to overcome. And the third step is to defeat the enemy's lies. How many know the enemy is a liar? Man, he started off lying and he keeps on lying. And he does this by telling us half-truths. How many of you ever been reminded of your past? How many of you ever felt, well, two of you have anyway. How many of you have ever felt condemned over your past? Amen. A few more of you. How many of you believe what the enemy had to say? Yeah, we do sometimes, don't we? Unfortunately, we do. And I know we do because all our unworthiness and our, 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 our place of 
value disappears when we listen to the lies of the enemy. It's a deception, temptation, and accusation. That's the way he lies to us. And of course the goal of this war, warfare is to set ourselves free. Another part of warfare is the church's resistance against the world system. And the goal of this war is to expand the kingdom and win souls. And the third part of warfare is casting out demons. So we want to engage today in the pulling down of strongholds within our own lives. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready, say being ready, to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Golly, you know, I, I listened to that, I've read that, I've thought about that. Today, God gave me a whole new revelation. He gave me a whole new revelation. He says, when you believe the truth, I will fulfill the truth. He said, I'm ready to punish evil. But you've got to believe truth and obey truth before we can bring it into, into existence. You know what that brought to mind? Oh, ye of little faith. And we go, we get mad. We had some friend one time that came up and said, you've got a religious spirit about you. And boy, I mean, he got so mad. I thought, mm, there it is manifesting. We can't take any kind of, any form of correction. We can't form, take any form of direction from people. We want to make up our own minds and we want to have it made up by ourselves. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that we need to walk in the Spirit and make ourselves obedient to who He is and what He has said. And we have to believe what He says. Okay? And so when we begin to believe it, that obedience, He says, when we bring our thoughts into obedience... Let me say that again. When we bring our thoughts into obedience. Am I making sense to you? What is a disobedient thought? A disobedient thought is one where it says, I'm in control. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can't control nothing. That's an illusion. And you know, if we try to control everything around us, all we do is get frustrated. Isn't that right? All right, so let me just get you to do this right now. Put both hands out in front of you with a fist. Okay, and then just go, whoo, and let go. Do it one more time. Woo! You know what you do? I'm going to let go of all control. Some of us are too proud to let go of control. You know that our pride gets in the way. Well, what are people going to think? Who cares what people think? What's Jesus going to think when you tell Jesus, Jesus, you're now in control? The worst bumper sticker ever created by man. God is my co-pilot. Well, look out because you're going to crash. You better let him take over the wheel. You know, God is my chauffeur. If God is your co-pilot, you might get a ticket for a tag. I mean, you can't ever tell. <laughs> she didn't get a ticket. Josh did, so I don't know what that means. Anyway, so we want to take every thought captive. We want to cast down every vain imagination, everything that stands up against God's Word. God said that we lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do you believe it? I pray and, and I lay hands on a guy and I lay hands on him and, he, and I pray for him and he said, man, the pain is gone. And my first response is, really? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Jesus said, yeah, I had to do it. You didn't have enough faith to do it. He came to Moses and he said, Moses, Moses said, God, what are you going to do? Man, we backed up against the Red Sea. He said, you lift up your authority. Jesus is telling us today, lift up your authority. But you got to believe you have authority before you can begin to lift up your authority. you got to believe what God's Word says about you in order to do what God's Word says to do. As long as you have doubt and as long as you have fear and as long as the enemy can tell you you're not worth doing that, you got some sin in your life, you got some problems in your life, you got some anxiety in your life, and God can't use you. He's a liar. God's Word is the truth. If you could have saved yourself through your righteous acts and deeds, there wouldn't have been any need for him to hang on a cross. He knows you're going to mess up. He knows that you're going to, going to come short of the mark. He knows that these things are going to happen in your life. And he said, but I want to use you anyway. I came to make you righteous. And so all we can do is bow our heads and say, thank you, Jesus. I'm righteous, not in my own self, but in you I've been made righteous. In you I have been made holy. In you I, have, I can overcome. In you. Do you want to believe the truth or do you want to believe a lie? Lies are just areas of darkness. They're areas that we don't let anybody into. The Bible says, confess your faults one to the other that you might be healed. I ain't telling nobody about that. That's between me and God, and ain't nobody ever going to hear that as long as I live. And so you're going to carry a stronghold in your life as long as you live. I never will forget the first time I ever heard, I heard Paul Herring testify. When Paul finished, I shook my head and said, I don't believe I said all that. <laughs> But you know what happened was just the opposite of what I thought was going to happen. It caused men to break. They, they, became like, they became like dish rags. They just began to break and to fold and to weep. And they began to realize that they weren't alone. They weren't the only one. They weren't the only one that was struggling with sin. They weren't the only one that had brokenness in their lives. They weren't the only one. Paul had stood up and testified and he had made a declaration of what God had done in his life and had changed his life. And he wasn't ashamed of the things that had happened to him because he had overcome through the blood of the Lamb. And the word of his testimony is Jesus has made me whole. Come on. Come on. And so we want to come to that place in our lives to where it's, it's better to confess and let people know what's going on in your life than it is to have a stronghold where the enemy has a back door. The enemy keeps those back doors so he can come in and destroy your life. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You be careful who you confess to because there are some blabbermouths in the church, you know. Used to be, say, telephone, telegraph, tell a woman. That's not true anymore, but you know. I'm just teasing, guys. I'm just teasing. Now, the truth of the matter is, I know some men that gossip a whole lot more than women ever thought about doing so. But what I'm saying is, is you pick and choose who you, who you are willing to open your heart and your, your frailties up to, but let somebody in. And if you think anybody thinks you perfect, you're full of it. You're not perfect, and you don't have the perfect family. Okay? 
The only way you're perfect is in Christ Jesus. Your family's perfect in Christ Jesus. And so when we got problems, we've been, we've been called to share together so that we can pull down these strongholds and we can overcome what the enemy's trying to do to us. My son David called me the other night. He talked for an hour and a half. Well, normally I would have been just elated that he talked to me for an hour and a half. He talked to he and, and his mother for that long and was just as happy as he could be. One talked to him about church stuff and Jesus stuff, but I knew he was drunk. I knew he was drunk. And I said, Lord, I'm glad that he's not in a ditch. I'm glad he's not in that place of depression. I'm glad that there's some stability in his life. But Lord, there's still a stronghold there. And it broke my heart. I didn't even want to think about it. But I had to pray about it. Why? Because I love that boy. I love that boy. I got pictures on my wall of him and Josh and Herman climbing trees when they were little boys. And they'll always be my little boys. I don't care how big they get. I don't care how old they get. They're my little boys. And I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them, love them, love them. If I love my little boys that much, how much more does the Father in Heaven love me? If I, if, I can, if I can look at my son David and I can see past all the garbage that's on him and I can see a man of God that can be called forth out of that, how much more does God the Father see that in each one of us? Because he, he's God. He's the one that calls it forth. I don't care where you are or what you've done or what the problems are. God said that is a stronghold if you stay and you let the enemy keep you beaten down in those areas. He's saying let that stuff go. Confess it. Quit empowering it and take the power out of everything the enemy has to say and everything the enemy has to do. He said, disempower it so that it no longer has control over your life. Am I making sense to you today? We, we need to come to be a church, and the church is one that can trust each other. A church is one that needs to be able to love each other. A church is one that needs to be unified around one thing, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. I used to think about my brother's church with the motorcycle guys, and man, they, they, they had a unity and a bond. And even Michael tell you, man, they'd almost, almost, they may even lay down their life for you. And they were bonded over a machine. I wish I could tell you they were bonded over the blood of Jesus, but that isn't what bonded them. What bonded them was the motorcycle. And the lifestyle of the motorcycle stuff. Now, you know, most of them, just kind of want to be motorcycle people. Well, when a Harley costs $25,000, you ain't really too bad off. You know what I'm saying? And so they bonded over that, and they had a unity. And I, and I was excited about the love and the unity, but I thought, you know, there's a plane that's higher than that plane. There's one where we have a kinship through the blood of Jesus, and you really are my brother, and you really are my sister, and we share a common thing, and that's his name is Jesus. And when we take communion, it's saying that his body was broken for you, and you, and you, and you, and me. His body was broken for each one of us so that we could have a union with him and be one together with him, and we would be one in ourselves. And he says, this is the way they will know you're my disciples, is the love that you have one for the other. 
And let me just be honest with you, we've fallen way short of that because we've let the pride and the strongholds divide us rather than use it as a calling call and saying, we know we're broken, but we got a Savior and His name is Jesus. And so I walk in the power of His love and I walk in the glory of His glory, not my own glory. Am I making any sense to you today? About the third time I'm asking you, I just want you to go with me. I want to see these strongholds destroyed in our lives. I don't want to see us walking around with the wounds. Some of us have been destroyed by things that were said to us when we were six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Some of them have been said to us while we were still in our mother's womb. And my mother is saying, I wish I had aborted you. I wish you would have never been born. And we carry that cut and that scar deep within. And God said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to heal the inflicted scars that others have put on you. You know, I'm in school and, and people would call me fat and make fun of me. And they, they do all this other stuff to you. Listen, they scar you when they do that stuff. And they force you into a pattern of life that you don't want to live. Now, if you really want to know, I'm fat. Yeah, I am. P-H-A-T. Pretty hot and tempting. Amen. I'm embarrassed myself now. <laughs> we carry around the scars of things our parents and our friends have said to us. And we won't bring them to the altar. We won't lay them out. We won't, we won't even discuss them with anybody else. We are afraid to tell anybody that we've ever had a problem. Some of us have alcoholics in our family. Some of us had alcoholic parents. Hey, it's okay. We understand what's going on in your life. We understand. Jesus said, I came to bring you out of that hell and bring you into heaven on earth. I came to bring you into a place of freedom and I bring you into a place of liberty. I didn't die on that cross. You could stay in that hell of torment that tortures your mind day and night. I set your mind totally free. Your mind needs to be renewed and you need to understand who I said you are. Ooh, I get excited when I talk about this stuff because I believe it. I believe it. I believe everything that God said. I, I believe His Word. And so I don't want these areas. He said, we destroy these arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Can I tell you what the knowledge of God is? God said, I'm beautiful. God said He knew me before I was formed. God said He had a destiny for me. God said that He loved me. God said that He knows me my name. God is not ashamed to proclaim my name in the courts of heaven. My name has been proclaimed before the angels, before the martyrs, before every heavenly host. My name has been proclaimed. How about yours? It has, whether you know it or not, it has. And God said, and I'm not ashamed to be known by him. I'm not, a be I'm not ashamed to be known to be with him. I love it. I'm Eddie's God. So who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe the lies of the enemy? Or am I going to listen to what the, the Lord has to say? Ephesians 4, 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. 
They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and even given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Look what he says. He said that you can't walk like the Gentiles in the, in the futility. I love that word. The futility of your mind. How many of you think you're smart? Amen. Rest of you liars. Oh my God. All right, I'm going to bring it down to dumb, dumb level in. I'm just teasing. Let me ask that question again. How many of you really do think you're smart? It's okay. We're not bragging on ourselves. <laughs> there you go. All right. We do think we're smart. How many of us realize, though, that we're not smarter than God? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let me, let me just tell you a little story. I went to a castle one time that was built on the north side of Atlanta. And we start walking through this castle. I mean, it's got the witch's caps and stone and all this other stuff. It was a huge house. It was a guy that my daddy had been talking to about investing in one of his companies. And this guy was a, uh, a, a laser designer. He designed lasers. And he began to talk to us a little bit about lasers, and he began to share. Now, this guy is off the charts smart. I mean, you know, I, I didn't even know the language he was talking about half the time. And so he says, uh, he said, yeah, he said, I design lasers. He said, I said, well, how accurate are those lasers? He says, my lasers are so accurate, they will peel the skin off a peanut and not burn the meat. I said, really? He said, yep. He said, I was, I was in bed one night and I had said my prayers and the Lord gave me a dream. And he showed me how to build lasers. I said, do what? He said, yeah. He said, the average laser today cost about $180,000. I can sell one for $10,000 and put $8,000 in my pocket because God simplified lasers to me in such a way that I could build them. And he said, he paid for this house, he paid for those cars, he paid for everything because I realize I'm not the smartest man on the block, my God is, and he showed me how in a dream. God knows technology. And God's not afraid of technology. What I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is, why, why do we want to depend on our puny minds when we can believe in the Holy Spirit of God that has all truth and all knowledge and understands all things? All things He understands. He's called us into this place. He said, don't operate in the futility of your mind. We do this because we think it's good. We do this because we think God would be pleased. We do this. Quit doing it because you think those things. Start doing it because God says do it. See, that's where we come into obedience. See, it may be a good thing, but that doesn't make it a God thing. And sometimes we do it because we want to feel better about ourselves. Man, for the first 10 years of my ministry, all I wanted to do was counsel people. And, and, and Joni will tell you, man, they were coming night and day, night and day. It was 8, 10 hours a day we would counsel people. And they'd say, hey, Eddie, I don't understand how you can do that. Man, you hear people's problems 8 to 10 hours a day. And we do this four or five days a week we would do that. And on Saturdays and Sundays they were calling. And in the middle of the night they were calling and people were talking and doing this stuff. Look at Paul laughing over there. And they were doing this stuff and they were talking to me. And man, I, and I'm just eating it up. I'm riding with my buddy, my buddy Gee one time and he said, Eddie, you have to make a decision. I said, what, is that, what are you talking about, Gee? He said, you have to understand whether you want to be the counselor of the church or you want to be the pastor of the church. I said, Really? 
I said, he said, which one do you like better? I said, well, to be honest with you, I like counseling better. I enjoy it. He said, why do you enjoy it? I said, because I see immediate results. I said, I see people's, I see the countenance on people's lives change, face change. I see, I see different things happening. He said, okay, then you need to pray about what you need to do. I began to pray about it. And, I, and you know, I knew, futility of my mind. I knew what God was going to say. God was going to say, you need to be the counselor of the church. That's not what Holy Spirit said. You know what he said? He said, you do that because you like being in my place. I said, what? He said, you become the Holy Spirit to the church. You're telling people what to do, not me. And you like it. I said, but Lord, I know, I know when you move, I can feel your presence. He said, I do move. But he said, he said, you are taking my glory for yourself, and that's where the enjoyment comes. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to be pastor. Let me be Holy Spirit. I said, you got it. Boy, the counseling cut in half immediately. And then it started going down and down and down and down. And now I don't do a whole lot of it at all. I still do it, but I don't do a whole lot of it all at all. Why? Because my mind and God's mind were in polar opposite positions. I did what I thought was the most fun and what brought me the most pleasure, not what, brought, what, what happened with God. Am I making any sense to you? And so then, then when I began to do what God said, I began to enjoy it. Now I just have, almost have, a, have a, a mental breakdown when I don't get to preach. I go, why? I said, man, that's part of who I am. And the Lord said, well, we can deal with that too. That's all right, Lord. I won't be that. Okay, amen. Let me go on. All right, and I'm going to close here. I'm probably not going to finish. But I want to, I want to give you this one thing right here, James 1.14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It's the area of the thought life. We, we, when, we, when we read that scripture, we don't think about what he's saying. What he is telling us is the thoughts. When we begin place to thoughts, when we begin to listen to our thoughts, they begin to be birthed in our heart. And if they're thoughts of God, they bring forth life. But if they're thoughts of the enemy, they bring forth death. If they're thoughts of the God, they bring forth purity. If they're thoughts of the enemy, they bring forth sin. And so he tells us, he's saying, he's saying that is where you better take over what's going on in your life is when it's a thought, not after it's already been birthed inside of you. Can I tell you, the enemy does flybys. You know what a flyby is? He'll fly by and drop a thought in your mind. And then you have a choice as to whether you're going to take that thought or whether you're going to release that thought, whether you're going to condemn it for what it is. I'm sitting there, I got a, listen, I got a pool full of people. They're having a kid's party at my house. I mean, they're probably 20, 25 kids and 20 adults, and they're in there splashing, and I'm laying down taking a nap. And all of a sudden I heard, if I had a machine gun, I'd kill every one of them. I went, what is that? What is the, and I thought, you devil. I ain't never wanted to kill anybody anyway. The last thing I shot was a deer, and I cried for a month after I shot it. But what if, you, what if I were mentally deranged? 
What if I had had hatred in my heart and that flyby comes and all of a sudden I take that thing and I begin to dwell on it. I begin to think about how I can do it and I give birth to that thing in my heart and the next thing you know I have committed murder and I don't even know why. I don't even know what's going on. I wake up out of stupor not understanding that I have given place to the enemy and the enemy has taken me down a road of death and destruction and I don't want to be there. not these kids that are shooting kids. It's the devil that's shooting kids. And he's entering into the hearts of people because they're having these thoughts. And they're taking these thoughts. And they're instead rather than taking the thoughts captive into obedience of God, they're allowing the enemy to bring, bring those things to life within them. Thoughts will be birthed. So if I go back to what I said earlier, what if my thought is the Holy Spirit resides in me? What if my thought is I can lay hands on the sick and they will recover? What if my thought is I can cast out demons in the name of Jesus? What if my thought is I can help heal the brokenhearted? You know what? That thing's going to get birthed in my heart. And when it gets birthed in my heart, it's going to be manifested in life. And we can say all day long, I believe it because it's written in the Word, but that's where it's going to stay is in the Word until you can believe it because it's who you are. And you know that you know that you know that you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that God has called you. He has placed that specialness on you. He is Holy Spirit abides within you. And within you is the power to bring forth life. You want, to, you want to resurrect the dead? Man, just begin to see yourself until it becomes a reality. What happens is we begin to see ourselves laying hands on dead people and nothing happening. And that's exactly what happens is nothing. Man, when you begin to believe God's Word and you begin to see the resurrection power of Jesus Christ operating inside of you and you begin to see these dead people coming to life because it's what God said, not because of who you are. And you're just saying, you're walking around with a six gun saying, Lord, show me who the next one is. Show me who the next one is. Because, see, we want to go slap that stuff all over everybody. And God said, no, that's not the way I want to do it. I want to, I want to bless people, and I'll tell you who to bless. One prime example, and I promise I will close. Maybe. I'm in the line at McDonald's. I don't like this McDonald's over here. They slow. My McDonald's, they know me by name. And we go in, we can talk about Jesus. I can tell them how pretty their fingernails are and they don't think I'm flirting with them, okay? <laughs> they know my order by heart. I love it and they fast and they get me through there. And listen, if I pull up in line and make an order and there's four people in line, they'll walk outside and bring me my order. So I like my McDonald's and it's mine in case y'all don't know that. So I'm starting to go get my, I'm go get me a Diet Coke and I'm getting uh, Joni a half and half tea and and I just start, I start to pull out for some reason. I just couldn't go to my McDonald's. I'm going up here to this crazy McDonald's. So I get into the crazy McDonald's over there. And when I get into the crazy McDonald's, I, I reach in and I pull out a card. Now, I don't do that. I pull out a card and I say, well, I'm just going to invite the first person that's here to come to church with me. So I pull around. And when I pull around, the little girl that's standing there, I said, how are you doing today? And she said, not too good. All of a sudden, I knew why I was at that McDonald's. I knew why I had the card pulled out. I knew why I was, I, I was going to fix and do what I did. I said, can I pray for you? She said, yeah. I slid my hand out the window to pray for her. I closed my eyes. 
And I've been praying for a minute, and all of a sudden, I feel a hand take my hand. And we pray together, and tears are running down her, her eyes. I said, sweetie, I don't know exactly what you're going through. But I said, I serve a father that can take care of you. And I said, here's my card. And I said, if you need anything, please call me. She said, when does your church start? I said, it's at 1030 on Sundays. But I said, we meet on Friday night. She said, I can't come this Sunday, but I will be there. She said, I need Jesus right now. What? I go to the next lady. The Lord doesn't give me anything for her. What I'm saying is, we listen to what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons with Pastor Eddie Mason, Senior Pastor at Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We welcome you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would also like to bless you with a Father's Prayer from Papa Herman, an elder at Southside Christian Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.